0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is Wednesday, March the 10th, 2021. My name is Stephen Cornegay, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Today's word of the day, escapade, which means an exciting or Foolish Adventure Escapade Looks like UNC beat Duke, Uh, I believe it was this weekend, looks like. uh, Once again, students storm Franklin Street. UNC, however, the school officials promised a thorough investigation. Good luck with that. I mean, you had to know it was going to happen. I think this year they, yeah, they swept Duke. Duke is having a rough go at it. But, you know, like I say, I could care less. I am a UNC fan, and I was thoroughly pleased to see that. However, the the Storming of Franklin Street, as we all know, is is a time-honored tradition. I mean, I'm sure they knew that that was going to happen. Like I say, good luck with trying to figure out what you're going to do with that one there. Because that is always is going to happen. Sorry, just is. Looks like uh, the schools are opening back up here in North Carolina. In fact, the Raleigh School Board last night approved for fourth and fifth graders to return to full in-person learning starting Monday. That means Monday through Friday, five days straight. They're going back to school along with the... Uh, I guess, what, high school students and middle schoolers. Now, it looks like uh, Durham is going to start their in-person learning for K-5 through Monday also. And what they're doing, I don't think it's full-time. I think it's two on, one off and two on again. However, the the middle and high schoolers are going to start April the 8th. And that's going to be two days in, one day to clean, and two days for the other students. And those that attended the first half of the week are going to virtual learning. So that's that's their plan for um, opening the schools, for now anyway. Uh, COVID cases look good. Governor also has opened uh, pretty much the state. Still limited, of course, but he, he's opened the restaurants, the bars, movie theaters, you know, things like that, so business can get back to some sense of normalcy. We'll see how it all goes. And I I believe spring break is, if it's not happening now, it's it's happening next week, and I think the governor of Florida gave a stern warning or or request, but, uh, hey, it's spring break Everyone's been cooped up for a year. We'll see how all this plays out. Now, wow. Uh, All I can say is wow. I don't know whether I'm saying wow because of the story itself or because of the response or the naivete in the response. I know the world is changing. And, and of course, that is a good thing. But I'm sure by now we've all, all have heard of or maybe seen snippets, I don't think the actual interview has aired yet, of the uh, Oprah Winfrey interview with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. And many were surprised. I mean, of course, they finally explained why they, you know, Prince Harry denounced his uh, princeship, I guess. I don't know what you would call it. Uh, Pretty much said he was done with the royal family, and and they pretty much explained why, which wasn't a surprise to me, and I'm sure it wasn't a surprise to so many others. Um, Meghan Markle's mother is African American and her father is white. And he also said that they were living off Princess Diana's inheritance, after his departure. And also, his father and himself hadn't, at one point in time, they stopped exchanging phone calls, but they're back to talking now. But the most startling to many, I I guess it's because I grew up in in the southern part of the United States. It's really not surprising to me. But the most startling thing to so many was there was a, a... a conversation he had with someone that he, he hasn't revealed or Meghan Markle herself hasn't revealed where they were worried about the, the skin tone of the baby boy. They were worried that it would change. And a lot of people are outraged. I mean, it, it, it's rightfully so, because that does sound quite ignorant, I have to admit. I've always admitted. But like I said, I grew up in the South. So, I mean, where most will be stunned, startled, and amazed, I'm not, and I'm certainly not amazed at the fact that it came up with her being married into the the British royal family, or monarch, if you will, Uh, I don't know if many people know anything about that, they call it an institution, they say it's an institution, the British monarch, I don't know if many people know about that institution, but I, I can let me just say one of the things that they stand firm on and they hold near and dear to their heart is preserve preserving the bloodline. And for those that are of this generation who might not know what that means, in a sense, it's saying that they're preserving the bloodline. They want it to remain pure. And that's for obvious reasons. I mean, I don't want to say they want to keep it all in the family, but let's just speak frank. They want to preserve the... We hear the term preserving the bloodline as it relates to the the, the British monarch. Uh, They want to keep it white. Let's just say that. And of course, like I said, Meghan Markle's mother is African-American. Her father is white. So, you know, the the, the remark about the skin tone... that's just something underlying. If you know, like I said, if you know anything about this type of uh, uh, institution or lifestyle, you know they're real big on preserving the bloodline, and it's not just the, the the British. It's everywhere. Because truth be told, and I don't know how many people have have honestly sat down and thought about this. I, as an African American, I can rest assured when I say I couldn't go to Africa and marry someone who was of African royalty, whatever part of the country it is, because they too want to preserve their bloodline, which means they want to keep it um as I say if they were in if we were in Nigeria or, or Ghana or, or what have you, they wouldn't look too favorably in me as an African American coming and marrying someone of their royal bloodline. That's just the reality of, of it all. I know those are going to say the world is changing, uh, and, and it is changing, and, and it is changing for the best. I'm, I'm, I, for one, I'm glad that these issues of, of, of this sort are coming up. There needs to be the discussion. I've often said for a long time there needs to be a discussion on race, not just here in the United States, but worldwide. So, like I said, uh, that interview and what came out of it. <laughs> It wasn't too startling to me. Uh, I I'm 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 not one to be taken back by this revelation or this announcement, but many are, and maybe that's because you know they are uh, there, there's a, a younger generation that really hasn't had to deal with the issue of race in, in up until uh, uh last year or, or or a year or so ago. And so this is new to them. And I'm not trying to belittle or low rate them and, and say, ah, oh, could you be so uh, crazy? I could you be so blind? if you haven't had to really and truthfully deal with it, then yeah, you are. Uh, it is going to throw you for a loop. But it it just didn't surprise me not one bit. I already, to be honest with you, when they moved, <laughs> when they moved from uh, uh, Great Britain or wherever they were and they moved to Canada I said to myself, I didn't say it out loud. I said to myself, "Uh uh-oh, there it is. We know why they're moving. And lo and behold, (laughs) it's come out. It's pretty sad that in 2021, we're still having to deal with this. But the reason why we're still having to deal with this issue is because, like I said, it hasn't been really addressed. It's been stamped on, danced around, swept up under the rug. Oh, just forget it, mindset. It doesn't affect me, mindset. Well, uh, it's back again. And now it's in a big pot along with everything else we have going on in the world. Uh, I wish the best to them and the advice that I could give to them. And I know a lot of people have gotten caught up in the pageantry of the prince and princess. Just like when I was a kid, I can remember when... uh, The father, Prince Charles, married Princess Diana. That was a big thing. And and now, a few years ago, Prince Harry marrying uh, Meghan Markle. That was a big thing. I think everyone got caught up in the pageantry of it, and they thought uh, they'll live happily ever after. Well, prince or no prince, princes or no princes, royalty or no royalty, we are all subject to real-life issues. Let's just be blunt. It's real life. And it is very disheartening. It's it's very sad. Like I said, that in 2021, we're still, still dealing with this. And, and to be honest with you, in my opinion, it's quite embarrassing also. But you have to know, you have to realize and you have to accept the fact that that's just how some people act. And this institution of the British monarch has has that's how they have maintained and sustained their 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 cells like i said it's always been known and and that's with any royal family that they're real strong on preserving that bloodline hell in the united states before the civil war after the civil war there was a time of of preserving the bloodline for the the bright brightest and elite they didn't want any inter- intermingling with with those they felt that were subordinate so there were certain families that if you didn't meet a certain criteria and they want royalty or they want higher ups in in the political sphere, they were just, some of them were just regular common folks that had happened to stumble onto a little bit of money and land. A lot of it was over land before the civil war and after the civil war where they didn't want, they would term outsiders messing up their bloodline. So it's an antiquated system that. Has reared his head once again. A lot of people may not understand that. It's just it is what it is. Now I'm not, not advocating for it one way or another. I, I personally, not to sound too harsh, but whether they denounce their uh, uh, British royalty or or what have you, um, they're pretty much financially stable, or or should be somewhat. I don't know if that makes any sense to some of you, but they ain't hurting. Mentally, they may be hurting, but financially, they're not. Now, I can understand the mental strain because she said she once contemplated suicide, and that's another issue that goes to show you how being in that institution, not just that institution, but just in day-to-day dealings in life, when someone approaches, or when you have an ignorant situation like that, where someone's questioning your child. And I'm sure she received some insults too. In fact, you know, the, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, the British, uh, news anchor or, or journalist or whatever that was fired or he quit because of, of him questioning her. Also, and this wasn't his first go round. This wasn't his first rodeo. This wasn't his first dance. That's been a continuous ongoing, uh, barrage For a while now. It's just after this interview. When he once again. uh, turned to his bit. It finally caught up with him. It's it's sad. 2021. We're still dealing with the same thing. And for her to say that she contemplated suicide. Suicide. it, It just. Makes it even more sickening. That you. As a human being. Would. Just get into another human being's mind that po- to that point that they would contemplate that basically, truthfully only because of their uh, their race or the, or their bloodline, I'm sorry, their bloodline don't want that royal bloodline tainted huh. okay. well, I like to say it is to them both you, you have each other. You have a son, you got, you got a child on the way, A daughter, I believe on the way. If you're truly done with that, uh, institution, live and love each other, grow together, make your own. You got a wonderful start. I think the people are behind you, which is when most people, um, you know, when when they're in those type of marriages, what they call mixed marriages, I can remember. Uh, I'm 47. I can remember a point in time when mixed marriages. Whoo, wow, it was not, it was not looked upon favorably. So yeah, I, I can imagine the insults she got, or the, the the awkward stares, or or like I said, flat out insults. And for you to bring that child into the equation. And it's happened, like I said, mixed marriages. At one point in time, it was not looked upon too favorably. But for you to to insult that child, or or somehow, some way, bring the, that child into that nonsense, that speaks of who you are as a par a person, your character, you're low, you're low, you're low, you're low. you you, you are. Anyone that attacks a child with race. Or class to degrade and belittle. You're low. There's certain things in this world that are off, limit, off limits, and, and and I believe wholeheartedly children are. They didn't ask to come here to be a part of this nonsense and your ignorance. So why would you bring a child in? If you had a problem with that, you, you could have took it up with the two adults. But to bring the child into the equation, ah, no, nah, that's just that's just pathetic, sickening. Sickening, sickening, sickening. Well, let's move right along here. Now, the North Carolina State Supreme Court has done an about-face on hearing a specific case as it relates to uh, state retirees and their health benefits. Now, we all remember the election, and there were three seats that were up for grabs on the North Carolina State Supreme Court. Well, the Republicans took all three of those seats. Now, out of seven, five of the justices on the court are, as they say, as they've written, are related to living or dead retirees, and they feel there might be too many conflicts of interest for them to ethically Hear the case. Now, this was in January of this year, not too long after they took over. Now, this battle over these health benefits has been going on for almost a decade, if not more. Now, it started back in 2011 when then-Democratic Governor Bev Perdue, she was locked in a battle with the Republicans that controlled the North Carolina General Assembly. And a law was quickly passed introducing premiums and other charges for the state-run health benefit program for retirees and for um, state workers. You know, I guess at one point in time, state workers, they enjoyed these health benefits where their premiums, they didn't have to pay premiums, and as 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 it stands or as it stood, at that time when they signed that law, the premiums started at $22 per month and are now $50, which equates to $600 per year. Now, at that time when the premiums were $22 per month, Governor Purdue vetoed the bill But the lawmakers went back to the drawing board, and a compromise was met, if you could call it that. It didn't eliminate a no premium option for current state workers, so the bill became law. I'm still trying to figure out how that was a compromise. Maybe they lowered the, the cost. I don't know. Maybe they, I mean, like I said, it was $22 per month at that time, and the bill still said that they had to pay premiums. Now, at the time, the state was in a financial crisis and they also had to come combat soaring health costs. And we also remember that the nation was in a, a, a financial crisis. We all remember the uh, Great Recession. Now, the state had a, a $515 million, million funding gap. For the state health plan at that time. Now the same argument continues to be used in court by. As they explain. State employees and retirees. This is the. Uh, the those that are in favor of increasing. The premium payments. As they say that, that state employees and retirees have enjoyed. a what they call an 80-20 level level coverage, or better, or, like I said, without even paying premiums. Now, they say that this has been going on for 30 years, and I guess they're saying the buck is up. It's time for you guys to start chipping in and paying, because we still, apparently we're still in that that, that financial crisis with this health benefits program, I guess. So, we move ahead to this year or this time around, however you want to say it. Like I said, the fight's been going on for nearly a decade between the state retirees and the state officials over the health care costs. But as one official puts it, who leads the Retired Governmental Employees Association, he explains the allure of it. Now, he said state government will never be able to compete with private sector on salaries. So the trade-off is the state's offering of good benefits like a pension or low-cost health insurance. Now I know many of you are probably saying well well fifty dollars a month isn't that bad. I mean it's six hundred dollars a year. But if you're on a fixed income, like many of them I'm sure are you know the retirees getting these aren't even receiving a cost of living adjustment. And the same thing happens with uh, social security. Also, I've heard those people, a lot of people say, well, every now and again, they'll give them a, a, a cost of living adjustment. But what this gentleman is saying is it equates to pretty much nothing. If you're living on a fixed income already, and, and if even if they were to give you a cost of living adjustment, it's not going to cover that much. Because you you still have other bills continuously. Now, like I said, you know, one of the benefits was of course, or the allural allure of working for the state was of course the pension plan and the good benefits. Now, what has happened is now with the state, apparently you can uh you can retire pretty early which I never quite understood how you can say you, that they can retire pretty early. And then, however, at 65, they can, it, they can go switch over to Medicaid or, 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 Medi- well, Medicaid, Medicare. But if they're retiring pretty early and you're advocating that they can, until that golden age of 65, still receive those benefits and if they retire early, that's a lengthy time. Some of it's going on for a decade or two, maybe close to. So, what they find themselves in is a very awkward spot. They just don't have enough money to cover pensions and state health plans. Used to be a, a low plan. Uh, uh, now it's shot up to $50 for a premium payment. And the retirees are saying, hey, hey, hold on, wait a minute here. Now, he also goes on to say that the plan would need an extra $2,300 per year to keep up with the cost of inflation and, and 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 adjustments that were needed. And he even says that wouldn't be enough. So, I remember hearing about this years ago. And to be honest with you, I thought it was done away with or they had already came to some agreement or whatever or what have you. But apparently not because now it's back again and they are wide open with it because... Truthfully, like they say, you promised us that we were going to get free health benefits at one point in time. Then you turned around and you said, well, we're going to have to charge you something. And you slapped a premium payment of $22 per month, and that has now shot up to $50 per month. A lot of state retirees find themselves in an awkward spot and a tight jam, rightfully so. But their whole argument is, you promised this to us, that like the guy said that, that has that state retirement program, that was the allure. And of course that was the allure. But times have changed, haven't they? And for the most part, <laughs> these financial... You know, I just ask or I question or wonder how do these financial crises just keep appearing or how do they drag out and you know I often ask how is the money uh, spent or distributed and and we find out here now that all this started in 2011 and now it's here we are in 2021 10 years later and, and, and you guys are still arguing and bickering over this One of two things need to happen. Either you need to, uh, you you can't pay them because you don't have, you're saying you don't have the funds. There's no way you could pay them. So what do you do for those that that worked all of these years under the premise that once they did retire, they would, you know, some were promised no premiums. And some were promised low premiums. But as we all know, the cost of living has gone through the roof. And it can't keep up. It can't compare. I mean, that's that's just the, the math of it. There's no way. So, what do you do? Well, I don't know if there's anything you truthfully can do. We all know about promises. Promises are meant to be broken, but you gotta. Your heart has to go out to them. You worked all these years, gotten up in age, and you gotta be saying to yourself now: Now that I need this, this these health benefits, I may not have them. And then you have the, those that's sitting on the state. Supreme Court that are saying, now we can't hear the case because we're, there may be an extreme conflict of interest. Gee, you think? You think that if you were sitting on the state Supreme Court and you decided to not give them these benefits, and as you said, you had family members that you know that are retired or current employees, and you said, no, we're going to either keep that the premium payments as they are, raise them or we're we going to take uh, for the retirees. We're going to take away your benefits. We're not even going to wait till you're 65. We're just going to take it. Gee, you think that would be a conflict of interest or you think that maybe, just maybe those family members and friends that you know may hold you to the fire and hey, won't be pretty. I don't think the the, the issue for you guys truthfully is a conflict of interest. It's just a confrontation, you know, that's coming down the line. I think when that bill was changed or or, or came into law in 2011, you, you may have should have had something in there that said, hey, we're experiencing, of course we're experiencing a great financial struggle at some point in time, give you a, a few years, we're gonna have to cut your benefits rather than waiting and waiting and then saying ah we don't have enough money not only are you you, well i guess they're not saying they're going to cut the benefits they're going to raise the premium again wow i think that's the whole argument them them they, they may be trying to raise the premium premium payments again you know if you ever known anyone that has retired to you and I, $600, well, I'm not going to say you and I, because $600 a year, $50 a month, that that's 50 bucks that can be used elsewhere. That is quite a bit, even for me, that working every day. Now, some may be out there that may say, hey, that's not that much. But if you think about those that are actually and truthfully living on a fixed income, and they're living on a fixed income, it's not because they, they, they haven't worked. As we can see, they've worked. But they find themselves in an awkward spot where they have to pay these these premiums. And not only these premiums, you got to take into account also, they have to pay medical bills, uh, prescriptions. Does that $50 premium, how much does that go towards those prescriptions? Because as we know, as folks get older, uh, they need more medicine. So how or what is the state to do? Who knows? Like I said, you promised them something now you can't deliver on. And now there, there there, may be some out there. I've heard one argument say that they shouldn't pay them anything. Wow. Shouldn't pay them anything. They should just cut all the benefits and put the money at elsewhere. What the hell are you going to put the money at? Some, some people say that there should have never been a promise to pay Uh, health benefits after retiring. Well, that's part of the allure, once again, of working for the government, is it not? Like retired vets from the military. But, you know, hey, they still have to pay, make payments also. But the payments are supposed to be low. And I understand the mind that the, the, the premise that you're competing in a market that is steadily changing and is steadily increasing day by day. But just like with those that are vets and now these state retirees, I think after the years and years of dedication and service, you would take care of them a, a little bit more than that. But I guess not. That's bureaucracy. That's another part of that bureaucracy I'm always talking about. It goes deeper than you think. That's also how those, that, that numbers game is played. Like I always say, the, the those numbers, numbers games, it's people's lives. And now it's showing, it's rearing its head once again. Promising people some things to get them on board. And now you're, you're trying to, you can't pay it. And they're asking how, how and why and raising holy hell. I just don't think, me personally, I don't think they should be fighting like this over something that was, I'm not going to say promised to him, but something they worked for because they weren't sitting at home on their butts bleeding the system they were out in the system working crazy as it sounds i i, I don't I, I don't agree with the argument of not paying them nothing now they paid they 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 made enough sacrifices they should be getting adequate health benefits seems like um Like I said, this is bureaucracy, man. I mean, how can you explain to someone or a group of people that worked a great portion of their lives for you under the premise that, hey, when I retire, I at least have my health benefits and my pension. I think that... They're even talking about the pension. The pension keeps coming up, and I've heard this pension thing more than once. So what are you going to take the pension away to? Hmm. Is the state really in that bad of a financial crisis that they're they're willing to not only not pay or drop the health benefits and, and take pensions? What's going on with the state? For, like I said, 11 years, 10 or 11 years, you've been in this tiff with these retirees and they've been going back and forth to court with you and you're still unable to pay them. I understand the financial crisis at that point in time, and maybe that took a bit more out of it than than we know, but I can't co-sign with that theory of not paying them nothing. That's, that's, That's just ridiculous. Now, if, if they were one of those that, that weren't doing anything or hadn't done anything, sitting at home on that, you-know-what, bleeding the system, then yeah, you ain't put in nothing going about your business. But these folks have. And their sacrifice and their, their work deserves to be rewarded. They've given a lot. And now they're apparently in a dog fight. Huh, makes you wonder, makes you wonder. So, what do they do? We'll see, we will see. Well, that's all for me today and I want to thank you all for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response. I would love to hear your voice. You can also make monetary contributions on Anchor. You can continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Pocketcast, and Radio Public. Also, I'm on Verbal and WordPress. So go over there and check it out. You can hear this episode and previous episodes. Again, this is Stephen Carnegie for This Is Just A Thought. Amen.